Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Anybody else? Good news. All right, all right. Let's get into the Word tonight. We're continue on, uh, continuing on, as you know, on Wednesday nights, we do chapter by chapter, verse by verse, book by book. We are in the book of Acts, chapter 16. And I want to start at verse 31 tonight, Acts 16, 31. Once again, we're in the New Living Translation. I like to teach out of that. It's clear it's more like we talk, right? We don't talk in King James, I don't think, not usually. So we went over this verse, but I, want, I thought it was a good starting point for tonight. Acts 16, 31. So here's the quick backstory. Remember Paul and Silas? Uh, Paul cast a demon out of a, a young lady with a spirit of divination. She was walking around behind him going, these are the servants of the Most High God. They're showing you the way of the Lord. After a few days, it grieved Paul. He turned around and cast the demon out. Well, when the demon was cast out of the young lady, a spirit of divination, she could no longer tell the future or tell fortunes. So her masters were so angry because they were going to lose money now that she didn't have a demon to enable her to tell fortunes. They had Paul and Silas cast in jail. So about midnight, Scripture says they were praising and worshiping God, and there was an earthquake, and their chains came off, and all the doors flew open. The jailer was about to kill himself. The Lord must have revealed that to Paul some way. And Paul said, don't kill yourself. We're all here. Don't do any harm to yourself. And so the jailer runs up and says, what do I need to do to be saved? Someone say, that's number one. That is a great question. You've probably had people ask you that, and that's powerful, isn't it, Brother Tony, when someone goes, well, how do I get to heaven? How does my life change? You've had some people who've asked you that. Man, that is a layup. In basketball, that's what we call a wide-open layup. You are under the basket. You're wide open. Put the ball where it needs to go, right? That is what one of my former bosses used to call a gimme. It's right there. Someone says, what do I need to do to be saved? Tell them. Say, man, here we go. Believe and confess. Believe that Jesus is Lord and confess. Confess he's Lord and believe that he was risen again from the dead by the Spirit of God. Just confess and believe. So praise God. And then here's what Paul said. He, you know, the jailer said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, verse 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Scripture says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? From themselves and from hell. From evil actions, from their past, from this evil system. The Greek word for the world system is the cosmos. Man, you will be saved. And I love how, real quickly, look at the insight of Paul and Silas. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. Is that a faith message right there? There are folks listening to this message tonight on the live stream or in this house. You say, man, I'm believing for my whole family to be saved. If they're not saved yet, they will be. By God's grace, his power and your example. So believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, they told the jailer, along with everyone in your household. What a powerful faith statement. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. I don't know how that works. I don't know if his house was part of the jail or next to the jail or if they, I don't know how that works. But this is what happened. It's what scripture says. So they shared the word of the Lord with him. And remember, they still have sticky, bloody backs, right? from having their back split open with rods. They had a public beating. So can you imagine if I said, man, I, you know, 
I just feel a little down today. I don't know if I can share the word. Well, Paul and Silas, it was after midnight. They just survived a public whipping, and they went ahead and shared the Lord with the jailer and his family. Wow. Let's go on to the next verse. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer, look at this. The jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. So he believed, and now the family believed along with him. We can infer that here. And then the jailer right away, you know what he did? First step of faith after believing, he said, hey, can I wash your wounds, please? Can I take care of you guys? That is powerful. Right away, his faith was transformed into action. Someone say faith without work, without works. Say without works is dead. So you got to faith and then good deeds. Look at that. So right away after he believed, he says, and that scripture says the jailer cared, cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. They didn't hang around and wait on it. They said, we believe. Let's be baptized now, man. That is powerful. So he said, what do I need to do to be saved? He's, they shared the word of the Lord with his family. They believed. He began to do good deeds already, and then he was baptized. That is amazing. So verse 34, he brought them into his house and set a meal before them. Look, he's continuing on. He's a new believer now. I believe you will see the jailer in heaven, him and his family. And <laughs> they set a meal before them. They, they, they uh, worked on their wounds, gave him some medical treatment there and some love, cared for them and their wounds. Brought him into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Is that a powerful story? And it all starts because Paul and Silas began to praise God in the worst, most dire situation. Say, worse? Well, it's pretty bad. None of us have ever been beaten with rods after casting out a devil. Or put in jail for our beliefs or one of our faith actions. So they were put in jail. They were bloody messes. They cried out to God in praise and worship. There was an earthquake. They were freed, but they didn't leave. And then God, like I said this last week, who knows if this was all a plan by God, if he allowed it to happen so that he could get to that jailer and his family. We do not know the spiritual legacy of that family, but I guarantee it, there's something special about that jailer and his family. So after bringing them into his house and feeding them, they all rejoiced because they believed in God. So verse 35, the next morning, isn't this like, folks, they just quietly sent a message, you know. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. I like Paul's response. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said, you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. <laughs> I love it. Paul was bold. Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison, and we are Roman citizens. So now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. <laughs> I don't know his purpose with that, but he was showing the boldness of the Lord. He said, man, we're Roman citizens. They whipped us publicly without a trial. See, even back then, Rome set a great example for, for us in many ways. They did not condemn people without trials. That was Roman law. You, had, you were supposed to have a quote-unquote fair trial. I don't know how fair they were, but they weren't supposed to just beat people and throw them in prison. They were Roman citizens, so they had rights. I need you to remember something. As a citizen, that means you belong. Is everybody with me tonight? 
Scripture says we are citizens of heaven. How does that work? That means, look at this, Christ has seated us in heavenly places. I heard a man of God years ago said it so well. I love quoting it. said, that means we are seated in heavenly places with Christ, but your feet are still on the ground here. So you say, man, am I a citizen of earth? Well, you have dual citizenship and better. Most importantly, you are a citizen of heaven, even though you have not died yet and gone to heaven. So as a citizen of heaven, as a citizen of God's kingdom, what does that mean? You have rights and privileges. It means you're loved and you know you're loved. You are right with God. All the promises of God in Scripture are yes and amen through Christ Jesus. Is that important? I think so. There's no other faith on the planet that can guarantee salvation by believing and can guarantee you're going to go to heaven. There are other religions that say, well, you've got to wait till the end and see if God in his great mercy will accept you into heaven. But there's no guarantee. There's other religions that have different pillars of belief and faith and tenets of, of their, uh, their theology, but they cannot guarantee you that you will get to heaven. But Scripture says there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Or one translation would say no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. So Jesus says, you believe in me, you'll be in heaven with me. Do you remember the, the two thieves that were crucified with Jesus? They were who knows the whole story of that? We weren't there. But at some point, one was still cursing Jesus and making fun of him, and the other one said, don't you have any fear of God? Man, this guy is innocent. He's been condemned, condemned to death for nothing. And he looked over at Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That still moves me to this day. He called him Lord. He believed. He said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That was the most powerful salvation one of the most powerful salvations I've ever heard of, maybe on record. And Jesus' was, response was, you know what? I say to you certainly and most assuredly, today you will be with me. You will be with me in paradise today. Jesus guarantees it. He guarantees it. And that gives you, provides you with citizenship. I think it's a fascinating story about Paul and Silas because Paul says, we're, we're Roman citizens. We have privileges. We can't just be treated like this. Let them come themselves to release us. I know I diverged a little bit, but it's what I do on Wednesday nights, right? All right. It's what I do. <laughs> Let's go on to the next verse. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed. Bless them. I don't know why that always gives me great joy that they were stressed out after that, after what they did. They were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. That didn't heal their backs, but they came and apologized at least. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. Hey, we don't want any trouble, man. Please go. So when Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia, an important woman of God now in church history. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Why do people, why is it that people, let me just ask you some questions tonight. Why is it people don't want to meet together or go to church? Why do you think? Give me some reasons. They can be excuses or reasons, however you look at it. Why do you think people don't want to go to church? Not all at once. Yes, ma'am. They're afraid to be judged. Fair enough. That's a pretty good answer. Yes, ma'am, and then I'll come to you. They had an encounter with a believer or a pastor or somebody, and they used that. And, of course, the devil uses that, right? They... they they collided with someone on a bad day, or 
Or they just found a way to use whatever happened. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Hi. Why are you smiling at your mom like that? Y'all are so entertaining. I just love y'all. What What do you got? What do you got for me, kid? <laughs> hey, but you. <laughs> she says, Mom, but I belong here. Okay. <laughs> it is a small group. Yes, ma'am. Why do people not come to church? Ooh. That's, that's pretty solid. What, Mom? Mom, how would you rate that between 1 and 10? You give it a 10? Shh, that's strong. Mom, how, how are you weighing in? Seven and a half. I'd give it a little higher personally, but I'm not going to give you my vote of what exactly it would be, but I think it's strong. People are lazy. They are lazy. Say, man, you don't understand. I, oh, I understand more than you think. I know about it. I mean, there's just people that will use anything to not go to church. Okay, so they're lazy. Why else do people not go and connect and worship with other believers? Anybody? Yes, ma'am. If they're not living right, they feel guilty. All right. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Oh, that's such a good one. That's so good. We don't need a church. We are the church. What a way to misuse scripture. Yet God in the flesh went to church. You cannot beat that argument. God in the flesh. Scripture says he was given the spirit without measure, man. He knew people's thoughts. He was healing the sick. He was predicting the future. He was powerful, the God-man. God in the flesh, all God but all man, and he went to church. Hmm. All right. So they say we don't need church. We are the church. Study their lives. You will know a tree by its fruit. That's all I got to say. All that, that, that's a bunch of nonsense. What else? Why, why else do people not want to go to church and join themselves in worship with other believers? Anybody else? Do you have another one? No, you were adjusting your glasses. Mom says, one is enough. You did good. Strong 7.5 for tonight. If that was an earthquake, it would be very strong. 7.5. Okay, anybody else? Why, why do people not go to church? What excuses or reasons do they use? What, ma'am? COVID. Oh, my gosh. She said it. $500 million bonus, right? Don't we wish. COVIDia. I can't go to church because of covid but I will go to Home Depot and Walmart. Still amazing to me during COVID, my wife and I would drive past Walmart every Sunday, leaving dad's house because we have Cine Family Meal on Sunday. And it, it would be packed almost out to the street both ways. But they couldn't go to church. All right, COVID. What else? Why, what other reasons do people use? Anybody? Going once. You got one more, all right. They're going through something, feel like they can't get out of bed, all right. I've heard that before, yep. Mm -hmm. Don't. Or some people have social anxiety, say, I don't want to be around people. Well, there's shy people in this room right now. That's okay. You, I'm not going to throw the mic at you and make you come up here and speak. I mean, some folks, we've been saying it, some folks are better one-on-one. -on -one. They get lost in a crowd. That's fine. But look at this. I love this verse. It says, when Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers. See, Lydia has a house church. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. So now, then they left town. So why? let's go back to that verse. I want them to have that in front of them while we discuss this further. So why should you go to church? 
not all at once. Yes, ma'am. To be, okay. My dad, my dad used that for years. He would walk up to people and play, you know, some of y'all remember the Columbo bit where you act like you don't know. Remember Columbo? And dad would walk up to people. We were in D.C. one year and he'd go, hey, does anyone here know where I can go to get saved? And a lot of people would go, well, saved. Some are like, saved? No, I've heard of that. But no, I don't. Some people go, no. And it, I'm there with dad. And, and some people are going, I don't think you can get saved around here. I don't think you can. And then somebody has a little knowledge and they'll go, you know, there's a church down the street. When I don't know when their services are, but I think you can go over there and get saved. And then dad would just mess with them and go, well, who, are you all saved? What does it mean to be saved? So he has them talking about it, witnessing to themselves, right? So, okay, you can go to church to get saved, although you can get saved anywhere, but church is a great place to go and get saved. Anyone else? Why would you go to church? Yes, ma'am. Encouragement. Look, you took that right out of there. Look at that. Clever. Encouragement, man. You don't want to serve God by yourself. Why else? Did your hand it. Be surrounded by other believers. Be filled and to learn more. All right. And you know, there's something powerful about doing an activity, an activity with others. But especially serving God with other people, it's encouraging. Man, it builds you up. It gives you hope. Man, I don't know about y'all. Have you ever showed up at church and just dragged yourself in? But you did a lot better if you could just make it through the service. Praise God. One word from God, my dad has always said, can change everything. Why else do you want to go to church? Why? Yes, sir. Be fed spiritually. Yes, I love that, man. Be edified. Be built up. That's what it's for. Why else? Grow up spiritually. Why else? Why else do we go to church? Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. And now you're quoting right out of Scripture. The Apostle Paul in Hebrews um, chapter 10. I think Pastor Fabian used that in his mass text today, didn't he? Was it Hebrews 10.25? He did, didn't he? The Apostle Paul said, don't, don't forsake gathering or don't skip church like some people's habit is. Get together. Build faith. Love each other. Love God and love each other. That's great. Any more? One more. Why do, why do folks... Why should they go to church? How about so they can learn truth so they will recognize it when they're not in church? It's amazing the lies that people fall for now just because it was on the internet. The internet. So there they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. It was a church group gathering even though it was in a home. Hey, man, you can have church anywhere. Praise God. And then... The rest of that verse, right, it says, then they left town. <laughs> All right, let's get into chapter 17. Acts 17, 1. Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Ampip Amphipolis and Apollonia. That word Apollonia sounds really cool, doesn't it? Apollonia sounds cool, right? The problem with that word is it means destroyer. It means perdition or destroyer. So remember, folks, learn enough of the word to be dangerous, but make sure you know what words mean before you name your kids that. I have a reason for saying that. All right? For real. Seen kids named Lucifer, Jezebel, and Apollonia. 
not good, all right? It's like, it's like man, I'm going to name my son Judas. Don't. Don't do it. Think twice, right? Relax. Don't do it. Okay, Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphipolis and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish what? Synagogue. Man, there were Jewish synagogues all over the place. God used the diaspora, which is Greek word for the dispersion. When the Jews were cast out of uh, Jerusalem and Israel previously, they went all over the place, and wherever they settled, they built synagogues, all right? As was Paul's custom. Uh-oh. So Scripture says it was Jesus' custom to go to church. Now we hear that it's Paul's custom. Paul, man, great man of God, wrote the majority of the New Testament. He went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. I'm telling you right now, you can, get, you can visit all of scripture and see that every book in the Bible points toward Jesus. Every book in the Bible. So he said that the Messiah, which is the anointed and chosen one, he's talking about Jesus here, must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the what? Is the Messiah. Let's stop right there tonight. I love this song. I believe it was by... I, who was it? Oh, okay. So anybody remember Ray Charles? Great voice. Had some problems, right? Ray Charles. And then um, who was the Queen of Soul? Aretha Franklin. So she sang a duet with Ray Charles, and I have it. I have it on my phone. It's called "Ain't But the One." Ain't but the one. They're talking about there is one God, one way. So Jesus is the Messiah. Don't ever let anyone try to lie to you and say, "Well, there's lots of messiahs." There have been folks have even said this. You know, the devil is so clever. Say, "Well, Jesus was an emanation of the Son of God, but there were other emanations, other reincarnations of God." And Jesus was one of them. And Hare Krishna was another. And there, No, Scripture says, like Aretha Franklin and Ray Charles saying, ain't but the one. There's only one way to get to heaven. There's only one name given to us that we can be saved with. All right? One. Someone say one. That simplifies things, doesn't it? Can you imagine if God said, hey, there's going to be 578 different ways to get to heaven. See if you can find one. No, it's real simple. The gospel is set up to where a child can understand. A young child said, man, there's Jesus. This is the way you get to heaven. Jesus said, let the children come to me because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They believe. They're pure of heart. That's powerful. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes tonight. If you would, please. I want to pray with you for everyone in the house and those joining us on the live stream. If there's anyone who has never accepted Jesus or made him their Lord, I want you to raise your hand tonight. And if there's no one here who is, if there's not even one here who has never accepted the Lord, this is good because I want it to be recorded. I want it on the live stream. Wherever this goes in the world, wherever it goes on SoundCloud, I want people to be able to accept Jesus. You want to, I want to give them the opportunity every service. Is there anyone in here who's never accepted the Lord? I believe everyone here is a child of God. But would you pray this prayer with me tonight? Say, Heavenly Father, please forgive me. Cleanse me by the blood of Jesus. I confess that Jesus died, rose again, and that he is my Savior. I believe it. 
I know you came to save me, Lord. From hell, from sin, and from my past. I believe, and so now I am a believer. Thank you, Father. Please forgive me and cleanse me. In Jesus' name. Now let's pray this prayer together. Father, in Jesus' name, I plead the blood of Jesus over everyone who has received the word in this house or outside of this house, whoever is receiving this word, wherever this word has gone out to, Father. I thank you, Lord, that it's fallen on good ground. You're touching our hearts. You're speaking to us about yourself, about your character, about what kind of character we should have, about how we should live, about how we should believe, and about always believing your word and taking your word over the word of anyone else around us. Scripture says, let God be true and every man a liar. You are incapable of lying, God. You are perfect, and you speak the words of truth whereby we must be saved. We thank you, God. We praise you for your word tonight. I thank you for another gathering of believers on Wednesday night. And I thank you for their lives and those they represent. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over everyone as they travel. Whether they travel or stay in town for Thanksgiving, Lord, let this be the best year of their lives to date. Let this be the best Thanksgiving of their lives. We thank you, Father, because no matter what, you are with us. No matter what, you live on the inside of us, you walk with us, you care for us, and you teach us daily, God. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said, but my words will not pass away. We trust you tonight and thank you. We believe you in Jesus' name. Amen.